PT and working out whenever you're in the dumps, whenever you're on top, that's when you are available. So check us out there. All right. As, as If you're listening for the first time, what we typically do, we start with a hist- great historical figure or event or idea, and we talk about it, or we do the what you're going to do segment, or we just tell a great never quit story to launch us. Today, we've got a historical person that makes the show relevant. That person, his name is Terry Fox. Now, if you're young or... or yeah, because, I mean, Terry was in, in 1980 when this went down. And I remember when this happened. It made news all the way down in Florida. Terry was a Canadian What does that mean? <laughs> well, I mean, remember, we had three channels, bud. And regional Great news point. was... So pre- not, not young, young. Not young, I mean, young. CNN didn't come around till when. Like, yeah, remember that uh, the, the, the knob at the bottom you had? Oh, dude. Had a turn... Rabbit ears, bud. Yeah, rabbit ears. Rabbit ears, man. And the TV on the TVs. So I remember the first cable box with like the knob that switched around where you got HBO. That was big. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Good pull, man. And you'd have to stay up late when when you come back out, right? uh, Right. When you didn't know what HBO stood for. No. How about that one? It was so. Oh, hey, remember when that HBO would come rolling around? Oh uh, yeah, that was yeah. epic, man. Then I those, love that one. Those lights would start to go from the oh, inside. Oh, and you knew it was time. I'd watch HBO no matter what was. Co- they need to bring that. That was epic, right? That was the best intro and ever. Did. That, 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 was- that rotate because <laughs> you were a crazy kid like me watching movies till the middle of the night. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you stand outside watching through the window, because uh, <laughs> at a certain age, yeah, I mean, you had to go to bed early, right? <laughs> <laughs> so me and my brother would sneak out and see. It. Not not the Skinamax or anything, but uh, that's where I thought you were gonna go. No, 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 no. I, and halt. And by halt. that time, you can watch it. You're just up. Right? You're just up, oh, dude. God. Oh my god, that's awesome. All right, let's get back on track, man. Thanks for that yeah. trip down memory road. All right, so the story we're talking about is like, uh, like aliens. You know, some horror flick or oh, something adult, usually a romance. Conan. Yeah, remember when Conan was on? Man, that was right. I, you know, that's how you know Two you snakes <laughs> coming together as one over the sun, right? And hey, the big deal is I think if you if you're not an HBO deal, that's huge though. But if you're on TNT, right? That's nowadays. How you, right? Oh yeah. All right. This wonderful young man, Terry Fox, July 28, nineteen fifty eight to June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty one. Terry was a Canadian athlete, a humanitarian, and a cancer research activist. In 1980, at age 18, with one leg having been amputated from cancer, he embarked on a cross-country run to raise money for the aware- for awareness in cancer research. This was called the Marathon of Hope. Fox di- was a distance runner and a basketball player from uh, Port uh, Coquanquiam, British Columbia. His high school was Simon Fraser University. His right leg was amputated in 1977 after he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma though he continued to run using an artificial leg. When the Marathon of Hope started, he trained for 14 months first with his artificial leg. Then he announced to his family, hey, I got this kick-ass idea. I'm going to do a Marathon of Hope, which means every day he was going to run a marathon and cross Canada. I mean, think about the magnitude of that. 18 years old, this young man's doing that. In 80, he began the Marathon of Hope, a cross-country to raise this money. And his idea was that he would raise $1 from every Canadian citizen to raise $24 million. He began in, uh, with little fanfare, almost nobody understand, with the hope of a close family friend and his brother in St. John's, Newfoundland. 
In April, he ran the equivalent of a full marathon every day. Fox had become a national star by the time he had reached Ontario. He made numerous public appearances at a Canadian Football League game with other, other uh, uh, with politicians and other athletes in order to raise money. Unfortunately, when Terry hit Thunder Bay after traveling, get this, Marcus, after going 3,339 miles, he ran. He ultimately had to stop because he just couldn't run anymore. Something would happen. Unfortunately, he came off the road, went back to the hospital where he was quickly diagnosed with lung tumors. He had two tumors. The cancer had spread to his lung. Now, Terry's run, he became a national hero. And not only did he raise the $12 million from that run, he's since gone on in his foundation in the Terry Fox run has raised $650 million in his name. One of the quotes I want to read to you before we have a little chat about this is a quote from Terry Fox. And he said, I don't feel that this is unfair. That's the thing about cancer. I'm not the only one. It happens, to, it happens all the time to people. I'm not special. This just intensifies what I did. It gives more meaning to it. It'll inspire more people. I just wish people would realize that anything's possible if you try. Dreams are made possible if you try. That's a pretty remarkable young man, isn't it? Man, I was the monks that got that, that we were talking about that ran uh, when we when thousand got, mile monks, right? Thousand mile monks. I mean, <laughs> and you got to appreciate the way he looks. I love guys who look at stuff like that because uh, um, a lot of times when people get an ailment, a cancer, or something like that, man, that just that's what they know. I got cancer, boom, I get shuffled into the uh, you know, the the gutter, gutter lane, right? Right, or something like that. They shut down, right. And then you should have people who just keep living their lives and the cancer just kind of got added on like a t-shirt. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. something that you just, it's, it's it, not to reference cancer as, as a. No, no, I hear what you're saying. You know what I mean, it's just something yeah. I have to deal with, you know, or a hole in my shirt. Right. Right. It's something I got to deal with and I, I'll push through it because ultimately if some, if someone else can beat it that, and that mentality, you know, someone else got this done, man, well then I got, I can get it done too. Well, I'll tell you what, man, and I've shared this before, you know, I just had a close friend of mine that I became friends with through speaking, uh, Andrew Kako died last November from a two and a half year battle with leukemia and, you know, full bone marrow transplant. I mean, full radiation over and over the whole deal. And what I watched in this man was something, nothing short of miraculous. The fight he made every single day to, 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 to live man, and, and, and then to help others, you know, and spread the world to say, Hey, make the most of your life. I've heard a lot of people that the cancer survivors talk about that. So when they, you know, once when you know, once you get your leg up on her and you're getting into it, and then they start helping each other because that it's kind of I don't want to say it's a bitter irony, man, but when people go through that, uh, they they join that that club, if you yep. will, that society. Absolutely. They raise money. I mean, that I mean, what they become capable of, even if they didn't ha- have any dr- whatever it is they were doing was kind of insignificant. If they thought and just think when they got cancer, then they lead the fight in cancer research. And it's quite an anomaly, right? Where we have to wait till. You know, I like, see what you're you know, saying. Yeah, because team oh, guys, yeah. when do we get together? At funerals. At funerals, right? And I mean, we talk in about the darkness. In the darkness, right? And I, 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 what's my point? The point is, is that it's through that darkness that the light shines down on people. That they're inspired to go out and do something like Terry Fox. 
They're inspired to step out of themselves because they weren't going to allow this disease to destroy them. In fact, it actually builds them up so they can take anything and to spread that message of hope in life. I mean, I think about it like that, though. Think, think about having cancer. Tell yourself you have cancer for the day. And Right? I mean, imagine. put your, that's, that's Or kinda, better yet, go, go, go do work at a place where cancer is prevalent. Yeah, cancer hospital. Like you're a pa- exactly. and, and help them I mean, live that, in their life. Help them out. Spread the word. Raise money or awareness for I them. That could kick something in your head that inspires you instead. Of, and uh, that never quit mindset. Right. Instead of having to get the disease. Like, like I said, a lot of people get it. And they're like, then they, they find that drive when, it, when, when death's there. And like, hey, man. That's there. It's always that, there. Those situations you get in where like, hey, man, you can see the parallel outcome. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, I can literally see the parallel outcome of us dying is right here. I mean, we if we You're make one. It. Yeah, if you make one more mistake, we're that in that side of it. We're dead. Yeah. I mean, when that when that sucker comes around, that's when you build it from the, from the bottom back up. Well, I'll tell you what. We got somebody coming on right now that literally understands that better than almost anybody I've ever met my whole life. Right. I mean, this individual is a friend of Marcus and I. I mean, this individual is is a true inspiration, not only to the Brotherhood and our community and the SEAL teams, but an inspiration to everybody that ever meets him. He's a Naval Academy grad. He is a, a Bud's platoon commander, a combat veteran. He he, he got diagnosed with cancer. He's going to tell you he's, he's a double lung transplant recipient. And he is an all-around badass, man. Yeah. I'm so privileged and honored to welcome Lieutenant Commander Justin Legg. Let's bring him on. What do you think? Marcus, I'm telling you, I, I when I give the intro like I just gave, but then we move in and I see his pretty face come up on the Skype it gets inside me, and it makes me want to throw up at one time, but it also makes me want to jump for joy because he's one of our own, brother. He's yeah. one of our own, isn't he? I have to claim him. Well, yeah, he is. I, I I put him in that category as the the survivor. Uh, the survivor. I mean, you can't kill this son bitch. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. The teams couldn't kill him. Cancer can't kill him. Lungs can't kill him. The Navy can't kill him. So I'm telling you what, it is It is without, uh, uh, brother, again, man, you know how much I love you. It's so awesome to welcome Lieutenant Commander Justin Legg to the Team Never Quit podcast. Justin, how you doing, brother? Doing great, guys. Thanks I can't believe how good you look, man. Yeah, you're right. You're stuck with me. Uh, oh, yeah, we know. <laughs> Hell, we've been trying to kill you for years. <laughs> I figured you had some hand in Yeah. <laughs> but... It, man, I tell you what. Last time we were together, I, I, I'll never forget that time I saw you right after. Man, what was right after in DC that time we were sitting out and um, right okay, the, White on the House. sidewalk. Yeah, on the sidewalk there by the White House, and I was like, God dang, son, you have been through it all. And to look at you now, how rebuilt your body is, man. You you're looking, you're back back to your gnarly self, your gnarliness, your gnarliness. Get, getting there, getting there. Still not the uh, the lean mean two hundred, but. All right, all right. So, Justin, what we do when we get a guest on, we gotta we gotta exercise that peanut brain ears up there. We gotta get you rolling. We gotta get you fired up in your mind. So, what we do? You're gonna give me peanuts? <laughs> Negative. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> what, what we do is we give. But we're our, writing that down, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, 
What we do is we give each guest that comes on, we put them through the mad minute, man. Now, you know what a mad minute is traditionally, but this mad minute is all about fun. It's all about us uh, quick firing uh, these crazy questions at you. You've given us the first answer that pops in your mind uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. So you ready for this, sir? Man, I'm going to get in trouble. Let's go. All right, here we go. All right. You ready? All right, here we go. All right. Beatles, Rolling Stones, or Led Zeppelin? Led Zeppelin. If you had to fight one, who would you fight? Stallone or Arnold? Stallone. College football or pros? College. Who is the person that you would most love to get drunk with? Oh, there, it's not a multiple choice. Um, <laughs> most, you know, I always think that too. I'm waiting for, uh, yeah, waiting for the list. Back. I don't know. Pretty much the next person that picks up a glass, um, but no, I'd say Queen of the Queen of England. That's a good one. Queen? She's got to have some stories to tell, right? Oh See, that's how I, that's the way I look at it too. When I got asked that question, I threw a name out, and everybody looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, "Man, you wouldn't want to hear what that that person has to say." All right, if you could play out any character from a movie in real life, who would it be? Uh, character from a movie in real life, Forrest Gump. Oh, that's cool. I dig that. All right. Uh, that's some bitch seen everything, too. What is your favorite childhood? <laughs> what is your favorite childhood injury? Um, broke my pinky uh, bones sticking out and stuff. Uh, that helped put it back in, tape it up. Nice. Or the time I broke my nose and they put spray glue up my nose so I could finish the wrestling match. <laughs> That's like a rite of passage with the father, though. I guess. Here's some uh, duct tape. Get back in there. Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Uh, Indiana Jones. All right. I've he, always wanted to, like, you know, go hunt treasure and shit. Right? That's See, I, brother, I'm with you on that, but I, I, you got to admit, going intergalactic would be cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, but everybody was intergalactic. Interesting. You mean the character or the actor? No, everybody in that world is intergalactic. Indiana Jones goes off on his own finding sh- stuff. True, 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 true. He's unique in his own time and place. All right, right I, all right, I so hear So is you. Han. He's a bounty hunter, right? Uh, yeah, or, or I a mean, smuggler. That, yeah, he's a smuggler. Okay. You know, and he and made... Indy crushed some Nazis. Check Roger. All right, all right, real. I, I give it to you. All right, for the final question for the Mad Minute, have you ever felt invincible? I have. That's what I was. And I've also, <laughs> and also I felt vulnerable. Also, uh, gotten the, the royal smackdown from God on that one a couple of times. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. All right, man. Is that what that is? So is it when guys like us starting to feel like we got a little bit of superpower? It's that, it's that ultimate smackdown from God to make us feel, put us back in check? It's, yeah, it's that hand coming out of the cloud. I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like that. I don't ever think that I'm, uh, you know... <laughs> But I've been smacked down just like you <laughs> a lot, man. I got struck by lightning the other day. You did? Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that? I, well, I've, I've been uh, I've been cardioverted, you know, where they have to, like, stop your heart because your heart's going nuts. Oh, I mean, I've had that happen to me in the I, ICU while I was awake. So, I mean. While you were you awake? Go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you get chest tubed while you were awake? No. you. Well, maybe. Yeah, anybody no, got, got, got he, the crap, he, you got the hardware you yeah. got. I'll, we'll get into that Yeah, in yeah, a second, yeah. let's get there in a second for sure. All right, Justin, you know, I, I told you a little bit about, but our, our listeners are here because they, they want to understand guys like us. They want to understand great people who 
have have clawed and and gnawed and climbed their way out of the abyss to get back into the fight with the never quit mindset. So we're going to go straight there as we do with all our guests. Man, please tell our listeners what your greatest never quit story ever was. So I think the greatest is there's two of them that ran in parallel for like the last 10 years of my life. So one has been with my health and that's just, it all started with leukemia and it's just been a chain of events ever since the leukemia started. So I got this uh, leukemia when I was 28 and the teams thought I was super healthy. Thought I was, that's about the time that I felt I was invincible. Uh, right. Now I don't remember what sparked what, were you feeling sick or did you just go in for, how did how'd, how'd we find that out? Anyways, I don't remember. So uh, I just felt like I was starting to get, like I couldn't PT as hard. Right. And one day it got to the point where I couldn't finish a run. You know, and I was having pain in my bones and everything like that. But I was, you know, I was at the boat team. I was a training officer. I was teaching guys how to fight there. And I figured, yeah, guys are just getting good shots in on me here and there. Um, and it wouldn't go away. And then it started spread. You know, like my whole chest was hurting, my, my shoulder blades, my hips. Um, by the time it got down to my hips, I was on a five-mile run one day. And, you know, five miles is kind of like, you know, that would have been what I just did for it. Well, I don't have time to do anything else. I'm just going to go burn out a quick five, five miles. Five right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and around mile three, my legs ground to a halt. And it wasn't like, wow, this hurts. I want to stop running and I'll just walk for a little bit. It was, I could not <laughs> run. Like, yeah, like, so like, like somebody threw the parachute and like a bag of cement out the back, you know, the back of the tailgate and I'm dragging it and just walking was hard. Wow. I'm just like, wow, something's really, really wrong. We, um, Doc had been doing some tests to try to figure out why my bones were hurting so much. And he just goes back to like this basic blood test and everything in my blood is just jacked up. Platelets are way down. Red blood cells are way down. In fact, the only thing that was normal was my white blood cells and that's where the cancer was. So I think they sent me up to Bethesda the very next day. We get up there. Doctor thought I was going to be brought in on a gurney. I walked in after I rented a car at the airport. She thought, oh, no way this guy's got cancer when she sees me walking in. But they take a blood test a couple minutes later, come back in the room, tells me, like, you got dead panted. You got cancer. Wow. You have leukemia. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. <laughs> did, did you really say that, dude? Did you really say awesome? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Actually, the very first words out of my mouth were, can I still be a seal? Wow. <laughs> she said no. And then I asked. Next thing I asked was, have you ever treated any SEALs before? She said, no. Oh, I see. I said, okay, that's... Am this. I? <laughs> <laughs> watch this. I love it, man. So just to get the, the long and short of it, went through five round, or five big uh, week-long treatments of chemo. So it was like, you know, a total of about 50, 53 treatments of chemo. Oh, wow. Over the, whole, over the summer. Did more chemo and full body radiation to have a bone marrow transplant in October. Um, immediately started having problems with uh, my donor's DNA from the bone marrow being in my body. And um, the bone marrow is like the source of like your immune system. Yeah. So her immune system started rejecting my body right away, um, having all kinds of trouble. 
Uh, most of it calmed down. What does that make you? What does that feel like when when that's going down? I've, I've always wondered. Yeah. I mean, what is that? What is that? Is, is that like a flu feeling? Is it? Is it an achy? Is it? Is it pain? Like you've been hit, shot? So, to the bone marrow transplant itself. No, when you re- rejected it, when when you were, when they found out you reject, could you feel that at all? So yeah, it, it comes up in different ways, right? And it's it's not me rejecting it. It's like. So they have to completely wipe out my bone marrow. Like those, all the radiation and chemo I have for the whole week before, I get three days in a row where I get full body radiation for almost an hour, twice a day. Oh, and then 48 hours of straight chemo. Like one bag runs out, they hook up the next one for forty-eight hours straight, and they give you right. And so that completely, I mean, your bone marrow is stripped. It's never ever going to come back. And then you get the, the bone marrow stem cells from your donor, they put them in, you know, in through like a little port and just like they're giving you like a blood transfusion and they kind of float through your blood. They find where they're supposed to be inside the bones and they latch in and start growing there. And so when they start making your immune cells, you know, like your white blood cells, that, that stuff starts floating around in your body. Normally that pick up like bacteria and viruses and stuff like, because it's a different DNA. Well, it starts looking at your body, and your body's a different DNA. So it says, well, I must, I have to, attra- I have to attack this. I'm going to start killing everything here. So for me, the first thing it got was my GI tract from. That's from why I wanted him to break that down. Because yeah, yeah. most people, when you say chemotherapy yeah. or radiation, I was like, you need to be broken down frogman style to explain that to the listeners, and then they'll understand what's, what's really happening. Because yeah. most people are like, oh, chemotherapy. They don't know what that does and means. No, no. So it attacked your GI tract first. Yep. So it was like basically <laughs> like a like taping a garden hose in my mouth and uh. waiting for it to come out the other end. <laughs> oh my god! Right nows. Right now. Right nows. <laughs> yeah, it was the uh... hell. That's not even right you nows. Guys, that's the, you don't even know what's coming. Right, that's why you just stand there exactly. and the just blows out the back end. Wait, was that my esophagus? God, what was that? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, really bad. Um, what made that even worse was that I had the very last radiation session. This this is going to crack you guys up at some fierce. After you're done with the very last full body radiation session, they got to give one shot of radiation right to the boys. All right. Because your testicles have this barrier inside that naturally protects them from radiation because they're outside your body, right? So they get me laying on my back, legs open like froggy style, right? And if you guys can see it, like this little tiny pedestal that comes up or these these two old ladies sit there with these two little cranks, one that like opens the pedestal up, right? And one that raises it up and down. (laughs) They give me a towel to hold my dick up <laughs> and so they're sitting there adjusting it like putting one on the other falls off putting that one back on knocks the other one back off uh, right, they, they were doing that on this, purpose <laughs> right they bring this big radiation gun in like all right so the mics that you guys are sitting in front of for like for the people who are listening to this imagine you know like the big radio disc jockey while you're laying there with you <laughs> Right, having that microphone brought down right and pointed like three inches away from your boys. Yeah. Right, right. Which in your head right. reminds you of you know, that Martian, remember that cartoon? Where they hit, yeah, that huge exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. 
So I'm thinking, man, are they going to explode right now or what? Oh, my God. So you just hear this noise. Well, I ended up with radiation burns all over my butt. Oh, no. Um, of course. Of yeah. course you did. did. Of course you did. did, Justin. Of course you did. <laughs> all right. So you, you now you've got the bone marrow. It starts to attack your body. It starts to attack everything. How soon did you know your lungs were done? Um, well, it started attacking my lungs like about a year into this. Um, and so I, but I kept rehabbing through it all. I was doing all the medication and everything, doing tons of steroids, not like, you know, Arnold steroids or Stallone steroids, but corticosteroids. They, uh, they fight inflammation. They try and, you know, mess with the, um, mess with the, uh, the immune system. Mm-hmm. And everything was going good for a while. I was rehabbing for two years after this. Um, got back in as a platoon commander at teammate. Um, back up to you know running standards, all the tests and everything. And my doctor drops me off these steroids right at the very end. Like I had worked from like seventy milligrams all the way down to ten, and he just cuts me from ten to zero. And like that was supposed to be when you're supposed to go down by like twos and threes and ones. Right. Um, and that dropped, that sent me into this spiral. My body went nuts. Um, my liver enzymes all shot up like probably 20, 30 times the upper normal limit of what they should have been. Oh my gosh. Uh, my skin got attacked from head to toe again. I had a bad problem with my skin in the beginning. Like when I was starting to rehab, um, I had to wear a put a mouthpiece in for the first like 10, 15 minutes of a workout because until I would sweat, as I got hot, my body would just feel like there were pins and needles coming out everywhere. Mm. So, like, I would get on the elliptical for 10, 15 minutes, bite down on the mouthpiece, throw the sweatshirt and the hoodie on, right, and just sweat it all out until my pores would open. I was good. So this, that skin thing came back, something fierce, and it started scarring my skin. Um, then my lungs started really getting hit. My eyes got hit really bad. Uh, one day we're coming back from the O course and one of the guys um, says to me, hey, LT, you put on a little too much sunblock? And I'm like, what? what? Yeah. Oh, I didn't tell him that that wasn't sunblock. It was skin. Oh, it was just your skin was skin. coming off? Yeah, skin was sloughing off. I was getting blisters in my palms and my soles that, because the skin was delaminating. Yeah. And it was making little bubbles in there. And then... Uh, you know, I was getting blood blisters in my hands from trying to do the O course, course. with that delaminated palms. Um, yeah, that was a uh, that was getting really, really painful. Um, skin in the back of my head was just like it was on fire every day. Um, and how yeah, long? And, and, how long did that go on, Justin? About six months um, before all that shit started calming down. Was that workout? Um, was that during a workup? Were you doing a workup? No, that was in a uh, pro dev, right? So this oh, yeah. is while we're all doing our our. our no, you're not even in the workout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not <laughs> even in all the right. workout. Most people don't know the pro dev. You're busting your ass too because you're gone or you're getting your schools in. But you you not only are getting your extra bennies as usual. Your your skin is on fire, sloughing on. You can't see, and your lungs are failing. So after six months, just what what happened? What was the coup well, de gras? I had to resign from being a platoon commander, and then that must because have it, was just, it was, yeah, that was that was probably the most awful day of my life. Oh man, 
Yeah, that was like the single most awful. Well, that's day what I, I mean. I, as far as really in the beginning of the officer world, man, that's your that's your goal right there. Lead lead yeah. the boys into combat. That's what platoon. I mean, that's the spot. Well, he, and he had worked so hard to yeah, get no shit, there to come saying. back, <laughs> and he's in that moment. Yeah, it was uh, like you know what I was working for since I was like thirteen. You know, went to the Naval Academy, sucked it up to become an officer. I had to go to the Naval Academy, right? Poor bastard. Go through everything else. Then you're told you have cancer, that you're never going to be a SEAL again. You tell the doctor, well, yeah, I'm going to prove you wrong. And you do. And you get back into it. And then to have some other doctor just screw up the medicine and blow it all. You know, and then there's just no way you can hang with it. It would have been to the point, like, if I had gone on, I would have been a danger to the team. Right. Right. Wow. Coming or off of that, like coming off those corticoids, that for that minimum amount of time sent you into that to where they couldn't catch you back up. I mean, that's crazy. I don't tell you. And then, I mean, but it ought to tell you the will worse. he had to push through all the stuff to get his body into that space and then get it dropped yeah, back. Oh in my it. god, that's I mean, what I'm saying, man. Yeah. That's, that's so, starting all over. So that again you, you, and you, again, you resign. You didn't resign your commission, though. You you just said, "Hey, listen, no. I got to get healthy here. Got to do this." Well, what was the next step? Actually, after that? I I made this the CEO tell me that he was relieving me because I couldn't say I resigned. Good for you, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then he relieved me. Um, he you know nothing of my fault. He didn't want to do it, but just had to. Right. But so about so we try some last ditch effort stuff to try and save my lungs. Um, they get the liver to calm down. They get the skin to calm down mostly. Um, get my eyes back to like where I can, you know, it's not seeing through sand every day. Oh, but my. the lungs, the lungs wouldn't, um, lungs weren't cooperating. So we try this stuff where I, you know, I get a big, you know, 16 gauge metal needle in each forearm. All right. And they pull out the blood, do some treatment to it, and put it back in. Nine months, that's not working. And, her doctor tells me, he's like, well, you're going to need a lung transplant eventually. Let's take a biopsy now and see what's really wrong so maybe we have some chance of saving them. Do the lung biopsy. You know, they go in through my right side, and it doesn't heal up what, right. What did what, you do when he told you you needed new lungs? I mean, what did you say to him then? Well, this was like, you know, he, <clears throat> he was saying, you know, you're going to need new lungs in like a year to two years. So let's try to see if we okay. have you know, any. Okay. So that really didn't even phase me. All right. You know, so like, all right, let's just do this biopsy thing and check it out. See if we can get them to save, you know, find something that'll save them. Um, I didn't heal right from the biopsy. Uh, my lungs were already scarred up so bad that they just couldn't heal back together. Um, got a pneumothorax. So right lung collapsed. They put chest tube back in. After they pulled it out again, it collapsed again. Then tension pneumothorax crushed my left lung. And while that was going on, I was calling for the doctor, trying to tell him that something was going on really bad in my chest. He's telling me I'm having anxiety. I've <laughs> watched him right, slap him right in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. Come here, whack. Come here, doc. Whack. Listen, in, reinflate my lungs, please. Yeah. So I think my my wife ran out into the into the hallway and. and and call for the docs. And next thing, I was on a uh, crash cart getting rushed through the hospital. And the last thing I remember before I fell asleep for two weeks was talking to this respiratory tech. And they put this big box over my face, this big glass box, has positive pressure, blows the air into your lungs. And 
I was telling her how it was like buddy breathing with a Drager. Right? <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> right? Because you know how like when you're buddy breathing and you're the guy that's laying on top of your buddy and his bag is under you, right? So that positive pressure blows up into your mouth, right? That's exactly what that box felt like. Right. And so I was trying to explain a Drager to her, you know, and how this worked. And, you know, if there's an emergency underwater and soon, and I guess I was fighting too hard and docs were like, you need to go to sleep. They put me down. Um, and then I, well, yeah, they didn't put me down. They put me out. <laughs> you don't go uh, down, bud. <laughs> yeah. And that's when my lungs just shut off. They stopped. Um, they had to completely intubate me, um, uh, put me on a ventilator. I was on life support for, uh, two weeks almost. Wow. I think I was asleep total of 13 days when I woke up, you know, coming to was like a, like a two to three day process of, of really hazy shit. The last hallucination I had where I was awake before they finally brought me awake and I didn't fall back to sleep was that I thought. I was overseas with my boys, got hit, and that I was in some recovery center stateside, like down in the Caribbean or down in Florida or in the Keys or somewhere. And I'm looking out the window of my hospital room, and all I'm seeing is like beaches and palm trees and waves, but I'm seeing all the guys in my platoon out there running a shooting course. And I'm looking down at myself, and I'm laying, laying down with my gear on, my rifle across my lap. All right, that's heavy. That, that, is a, heavy that, is, that is a hallucination that's, that's right awesome, there. Man. That, I mean, that's awesome, That's a good gonna, one. If, if you're, you're going to have up, one, right? yeah. You're getting to chill or, out at the watching the ocean breeze while your boys, I mean. Are, are shooting, and you'll be right out in no a minute. Pain, right? I'll be right out yeah. in a minute, you guys. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, I start getting pissed off. I'm like, it's my turn. It's my turn. It's not fair. You know, and the nurses, I remember this nurse coming in. It was just the nurse and my wife in the room. And she's like, it's not fair. You know, and I forget what she was saying, but she was thinking like, it's not fair for me to have this breathing tube in is what I was saying. Yeah. But I was like, you know, it's not fair that I can't go outside and shoot with my buddies. <laughs> and then That's awesome. She left. I kicked my wife off the bed. Bunch of nurses come in. I hit one of the nurses on the way in. I didn't even realize it was my wife that I kicked off the bed. And it was, Play, it was wild. Playoff state up from that. nine, huh? How long, what, what, when, when you finally came to and realized it was your wife and nurses and docs, what, what was going through your head then? Not much other than, man, I'm freaking hungry. <laughs> that, was, that was in 06, right? Was that in, when was that? That, that was, uh, gosh, that was, no, that was 2010. So I was diagnosed with leukemia in 06. Had the uh, bone marrow transplant that same year. Got back in as a platoon commander in late 08. Um, relieved in 09. And then early 2010, that's when I hit the, uh, hit the wall. Uh, yeah, it, it, the wall hit me. The wall fell on you, dude. All right, so yeah. did you have new lungs at that point yet, or did they no. just revive you and then tell you, "Oh, we got to get we got you're on a waiting list for lungs now." So no, I was I was up for like a couple of weeks. I'd lost thirty pounds while I was sleeping just those two weeks. Oh my gosh! And that's, I woke up I, and I was I saw him right after this. Did you? Yeah, I was able to eat. Yeah, but they still wouldn't let me get out of bed. So my body was just like cannibalizing itself. And I, I lost another 30 pounds. So by the time they let me out of bed, I was 137. You remember how big yeah. it was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge. <laughs> right. And it was somewhere in the middle of that. Um, 
gosh, maybe about three three weeks after I woke up, the uh, the lung doctor comes in one day and said, "Hey, I was just looking at your MRI. Um, you got this big scar of just dead space in your left lung. So it's like a scar bubble. They call it a, a bolus. Bungs, big old part of the lung that's not working. Yeah, in the middle. Yeah, it it was like a bubble the size of a, of a pool of a pool ball. Oh like my gosh! Like, nice, right? Right. Like an eight ball? Yeah. A bubble that big inside my left lung that was just a scar. Oh, my gosh. And she's like, you need a lung transplant within two or three months. You're done. I said, all right, well, let's. Why do y'all keep saying that? <laughs> Stop saying those words. I was like, all right, well, um, I'm talking to my buddy, uh, OC, another team guy. Yeah. Right. And uh, he's like, you know, this isn't just like a, you know, Pulling into pit row, changing out the tires, and keep on going, Justin. I'm like, actually, that's kind of like it is. What it is, you know? It's like we'll pull in, get the you know bad ones <laughs> out, get the new <laughs> ones in, and keep going. As long as they stitch it up right, those work just like the other ones do. What's the problem? <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so how yeah. long did it take before you you got the lungs identified? You found the donor. How, what? How did that all go down? Um, so they sent me from that hot, I was in Richmond at the time. So they sent me down to Duke university cause that was the, um, the probably the best place to go. And it also was the closest for lung transplants. Um, get down there and they run me through like a month of testing, um, to make sure that, you know, my body will be able to handle it. And the biggest thing, and I would say this is like the absolute biggest, baddest, most never quit moment of my life was this one month that I was there having to go through this, my lungs were down to 13% of normal function. They were all scars. So every time I would take a deep breath in, I would feel them grating on the inside of my ribs. I'll let that breath out and feel them bump their way back down the inside of the ribs. Awesome. God. I couldn't even. Uh, Talk about an itch you can't scratch, right? I mean, just feeling that the whole time? Yeah, no kidding. God dang, man. I couldn't stand on my own. And they said, you got to learn how to walk a mile before we can give you new lungs. And so in one month, I went from not standing to walking a mile. Holy now, cow. I needed, I needed to hold on to a walker, and mostly because I needed to carry four bottles of oxygen on that walker. Because I needed so much oxygen blowing in my face to be able to walk that mile that I used up four oxygen bottles in one mile. Heavy breather. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, they were, that's incredible. They're blown like, like 20 liters a minute up my nose. Yeah. And it, it started out with, you know, just learning how to stand. You know, it's been driving you crazy, right, man? Yeah, your, mind is, your, your mind is sharp as it's, I mean, you're a Navy. That's the hardest part, man. When we still got this, that's why we hope this goes first instead of our bodies. And that and the guys like us have the hardest problems, man. Cause you're like, what do you mean just stand? Hell yeah, I can just stand. But when you can't, when you can't move something that you've been your well, whole life, well yeah. trained. And I mean, it's, that's the frustrating. That's yeah. God dang. What, 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 you know, what were you, what monologue was going in your head, Justin, when they're like, all right, stand, what were you saying? All right, take your first step. What, what was going on? Four words. It's not my time. That's simple. That was it. That's simple. Because I guess you just die if it is, right? I mean, that's the perfect way to say that's that. It. I mean, if it was, I just, well, I wouldn't have to worry about anything. 
If I'm dead, who cares? I don't have to worry about anything. While I'm here, man, I just can't lay down there like a sack of shit, man. Even in the after they jerked the damn lungs out and having to learn how to walk. Oh, oh my God. Uh, trust me, that yeah, dude, that that thought crossed my mind many a times. Like there were not times I would lay down at night and I wasn't allowed to have any painkillers because they might lower my, hey, my breathing uh, rate. <laughs> so I would just like laying down at night, you know, just in tons of pain, trying to meditate away through the pain and just keep that thought out of my head. Well, you know, I could just die and then I wouldn't have to fight through this crap anymore. And it would be a whole lot easier. No way, <laughs> uh, so, man. You know, but there's just something inside of you that just says, no, I'm like, it, you know, and I hate to sound like so vain, but it was like, I'm not going to let my buddy see me go out like that. It's just quit. <laughs> right? I love it, dude. I love it. The team, I mean, yeah, the, the team, there's pl- the team. People ask, they, those psychs ask us all the time. You ever thought about dying? I'm like, well, man, that's a hard question to ask for a team guy because we're in so many situations where, yeah. Dying is an option here. We can see it. He's like standing right there beside it, you. If we literally. go any a little bit further down this hellhole, we're it's gonna, on. It, yeah, it's dying time. So yeah, we it's always there. But it's that that part. It's like, well, man, I don't want to be a uh, punk, you know, in front of my boys. <laughs> you know, we've been through so much oh, hell brother. together. I mean, he's our leader. Yeah, that's that. That's that's that pressure coming on that he puts on himself. I mean, not only is he one of the boys, he's one of our leaders. So hell yeah, you can't quit. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, I know. It's like. You know, you're sitting there with death. You you got his arm yeah, around he's him. Right like, there, man. <laughs> cl- clinking drinks with him. You'd be like, hey, what's going on? So are we can do this or what? You know, like, eh, you're going to try this. Yeah. And see you later, bud. Yeah, you're yeah. out. No more for you. Get yeah. out of the get out of the pub, bud. You're cut <laughs> off. Yeah. All right. Me so, and you, you going to tangle tonight? <laughs> nope. Uh, All right, no. then get uh, out of here because yeah. not today. Uh. All right, Justin. So you walked the mile. You made it one step. I mean, run incredible, grueling, painful step. One incredible, grueling, painful thought every night. One uh, incredible, emotional, never quit, you know, just holding on. All right. You go, what happens now? You get the lungs. Where'd you get the lungs? Where'd they come from? And what, t- talk us through the, the procedure and all that. Okay. So, um, see, uh, July 21st. I got put on the waiting list. No, sorry. July 20th, I got put on the waiting list. 4.06 in the afternoon. July 21st, at 4.13 in the afternoon, I'm just sitting down in my stuff in my first fork full of barbecue in my face when the phone rings. My wife answers the phone. Tells me, don't eat that. Of course. <laughs> of course that happened. Just waiting for that pleasure. And then, you know. Nope. Surprise. Yep. I just put out a paste on a post on Facebook uh, a few weeks ago. I was like, "Yep." And six years ago today, my wife stole my bar. Yeah, right? that's awesome, man. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we get a call literally twenty four hours and seven minutes later. Um, it was a, a young guy. His name's uh, uh Jared Carter. Jared. His middle name is McKinley Carter. Um, you know that that kind of becomes important later on. But he had passed away. Um. The night before, or well, he didn't pass away. He was he became brain dead the night before. Um, died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the brain. Was uh, on life support. His mom made the decision to go ahead and, and make the donation. Um, doctors flew up, uh, got his lungs, flew them down to me. 
about 2.30 in the morning on July 22nd. So, you know, enough time had passed that I could have had a little bit more of the barbecue and gotten away <laughs> with it. But I've been thinking about the whole now time. Now he's starving, about, you know, yeah. he's starving now. <laughs> but, yeah, so I know I'm going into the operating room and I, I, I know everything's coming. And I'm like, you know, I just, <clears throat> I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was like, well, you know, the odds of coming out of this are pretty good. But, you know, if I don't, I'm not going to know. So not that big of a deal. So I was like, well, let's just have one more, uh, one more fun time. Docs had to put these catheters into my jugular vein. And they had this big screw that looked like a Frankenstein bolt. Yeah. I was like, yeah, and they start pulling out the, uh, the lidocaine. I'm like, eh, don't worry about the lidocaine. I'm like, what? I'm like, I want to see what it feels like to have that thing put in my neck. Right. <laughs> Jug stick. <laughs> with, uh, with, a, with a trocanter, right, bro. Right, right, <laughs> a trocanter. Like, literally a Frankenstein. Well, they, Make they, me into Frankenstein. <laughs> so, guy, right? They, yeah, they... They make their little hole, and they have to screw that thing in there wide enough so that they can get like two or three different catheters yeah. down there. Yeah. Wires, baby. I was like, man, that's. I was like, yeah, that that, that, that kind of hurts. <laughs> and they're like, you're weird, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I woke up ten and a half hours later. Um, oh, they didn't keep you down that, fir- that first wake up. They did. Remember What's that. Because the 10 days when you were down with that last lung infection, I was just wondering when they put new ones in you, do they treat it like the infected ones that you have where they keep you down? Oh, no. Sleeping long enough with force, force feeding you the air to get those things working in you well enough? Or is that all on you? See if your body, well, hell, I guess they wouldn't know until you wake up anyways. Your body has to make make that happen. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, that agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. ultimate agreement. The ultimate, you, like, handshake. Yeah, right. when you wake up, you're like, no. Yeah. yeah. Later. You know, the, the one before, they were trying to get the, the holes in my lungs to heal. All right. And I was, <clears throat> what was happening with those is they would heal up and I would overbreathe. I'd breathe too hard and I would break the holes open again. And that's why they kept me down and let the machine do the breathing for me. Um, you know, when you get the new lungs, you know, those are not nice, new, soft, supple lungs. Did they no feel like new socks? <laughs> yeah, did they feel like, like new socks because i love like, the feel of new you know what i'm talking about brother we talk about this stuff in the teams this yeah. is that little stuff <laughs> like four or five days in the field same pair of socks <laughs> hot cold hot cold dirt right? sand and then you, you peel them off you get your feet clean oh, and then you're just like oh, and your gold bonds right, goes on God. Right, and it's like 15, it's like 15 degrees out it's in the snow and you just get that Nice, it's the little dude, stuff. Warm side. Oh, on your I can hold the hood to me right yeah. now. So, so you're saying that's what a new set of lungs feels like, Justin, right? Like times a thousand. <laughs> right? It had to be like new socks. Oh, just epic, man. After I can't believe, man. Look, being having looked in those lung cavities plenty of times, knowing the scar tissue great enough and down the inside of that rib. Oh my god. Would literally be like uh, with Japanese water torture. Somebody tapping on Worse your, than that. Right. Worse than that. I mean, Cindy's psychopathic. Well, because in Japanese water torture, you know it's external, right? Right. And, it, and there's a possibility that someone might stop it. When it's internal and it's and, permanently damaged, uh, it ain't stopping, dude. And, and think about it. That's your lung. That part never stops. Oh, I mean, it's the one thing that you don't have to think about. It's, uh, I it's automatic. So literally scraping the freaking washboard with the sp- the spoons kind of deal inside the lungs. So, so Justin, I know everybody yeah. listening right now wants to know what it felt like when you woke up, when you, when you took a breath. 
that first breath, I, I, I can't describe it. There are no words for that. Just like the ultimate set of new socks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> awesome. Um, ah. still, like, just completely. Plus, they were shooting that fresh relief. air, that, that, that air that he was, that they oh were pounding into. had to be the, you know, all, I mean, just, I kind of like well, waking it, up, waking was, up on top of the mountain in ah. the snow and the sun's up. You know exactly that that crisp, the dawn of a new day, man. That crisp, that hard crisp air. When you take a deep breath, and you can feel it going all the way down. Yeah, it happens every so often. Uh, yeah. Hey, look at his face. Uh, I know Just you so can you see know, it. Yeah, totally. it's, it's pound, that's pounded in yeah, there, yeah, man. Path, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, like I, I could still picture. I can still watch you waking up, and they they had the little oxygen cannula in my nose still. You know, and the nurse came over. And she's like, all right, you ready to you know, take your first breath without oxygen? And she pulled that thing off, and I was just like, I inhaled. And I'm like, oh, my God, it doesn't hurt anymore. Oh, it's, it's easy. Yeah, and even at that point, you know, like, you know, after the lungs are just put in, you know, they're, they're not functioning right yet. You know, you got to work them out for six months to a year to really get them going. I mean, I'm only drawing, like, probably half a liter to a liter of oxygen at that point, And that was relief. Wow. God. Right, your normal your normal lung volume for a man is like about five liters. Yeah. Right, and I'm drawing about half to three quarters of a liter in each oh, breath. Tidal volume is I'm what? Thinking, 200? Two hundred, maybe two hundred. Yeah. Right, and I'm thinking, oh, this is awesome. This is so good. <laughs> what, was it a? Was it a? Was it? A, did you get a dose of or a shot of? Hey, all right, I'm good now. I'm ready to come back. Is that what first started going? And let what do we do next? How do we start? You know, screw a mile. I'm going to do two miles this week or whatever. I mean, what what started? Well, it? yeah. So you mean before it got after, the lungs? Or right after you're you're in that space. Right you're after, like, hell yeah. <laughs> right after I was like, all right, what do I need to do to get out of here? You know, actually, it was like a it was a series of rooms. Like you go from there, you go from the ICU to a step down room, which is like you know still right around the corner from the ICU, and then after that, you go to the the regular wards. You know, and then and then you get out. So I was like, all right, what do I have to do to get to the next room? That's what it was. It's like, what do I have to do to get to the next room? And they're like, well, you got to get up and walk. So, you know, I was up and walking within about six to eight hours of waking awesome. up from my transplant. I just admit that because his, his mental state never, never changed. Never changed. So the fact that, hell, you just gave a team guy new lungs. That's like giving us a new watch or a new pair of boots. It's going to run that son of a bitch to the break. I have to check in for another pair. Check this out. This how I always looked at, at, at him. He is, this Navy like SEAL is so badass that he blew piece. out his damn lungs. And we're, we're frogmen, for God's sake. And they strapped a new set of him. I mean, because you know how I, I mean, I, every time I get a surgery, I think I'm a cyborg, right? That's yeah. just putting me back together. He's way ahead of me. You know, and this guy, you just—it's—it's it's epic, man. Every time I see him, I'm just God, you son of a god dang, it's you're, awesome. man. You're hard. I mean, it's—it makes the rest of us, you know, even when I'm feeling down. Like, oh, I just think about Justin. there's a couple of guys I on our think- on our team that y'all you, know, you have to do is reference when you start feeling like, and I'm not talking about the stub your toe, complain to the wife for three days because yeah. we all do that. Yeah. I don't care how tough you are. I mean, them times where you're like, damn it, man, maybe we can find something else to do. No, we can't. Nope, nope. <laughs> And even if we could, our boys would bust our ass so hard. You just you'd be out of the club. <laughs> you are out. You're, you're, you're out of the permanently club. out of the club, man. We work so hard to stay in it. So Justin, all right, you you get out. You room to room to room. You're back out now. You're back home. What happens next in your life? I mean, what do you what 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 
you know, now you've got new lungs, you're feeling better, you're working out. How, what do you, what's your mindset at that point? Well, it was like, all right, go back to work, get back around the team guys. Right. Cause I, I mean, at that point, all I was doing was like these very, very light workouts, but you know, I got cleared three months later to go back to work. Um, so go back to group two, um, go hang out with the guys, just start helping where I can and get back into like, you know, our HPI workouts. Right. You know, and it's, and it was awesome because like, I was obviously the guy that, you know, people are like, what the hell is up with that guy? Why can't he hang with the rest of us? But, you know, I mean, most of the guys at the team, Ooh, you know, yeah. and, and one day we're doing, um, you know, like the, you have those big anchor lines that we would pull yeah. out, you know, it's like six inch across lines. So you have to like pull it all the way in and then grab the loop at the end of it and run it all the way back out. And, you know, it's like a 40 foot line or whatever. And it took damn near everything in me just to pull it in, let alone run it all back, the way yeah. back I was out. like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> right. And, you know, so I'm, I get it. I finally get it out there, like, you know, and I'm like, at the end of it, I'm down, like, bear crawling with, you know, my arm through the loop, running it out to the end. And uh, I, I just, I get it out, and then I, like, lay down, roll off of the, the pad so other people would keep going. And some, it was a master chief from another team who didn't know who I was, didn't know what had happened, comes over and starts telling me about what a terrible example I'm setting for the guys. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, oh. I bet he was a team one master chief. That's well, what I'm betting. I mean, that's what Matt, if you saw a commanding officer sitting on the damn ground, I'm good. you got to look at both sides. Of that. I, brother, I can uh, get you, but first, wouldn't you say, hey, man, are you okay? No. <laughs> that was team, team PT, right? I would first say, hey, man, are yeah. you giving I mean, unless he's a medic. Let's hear your, let's hear your, let's hear, ex- this let's hear your excuse. That's and a good then point. fire well, him. It, right? it is a SEAL Master Chief. That's but that, that's a. You know what I'm saying, dude? Uh, no, I don't. I'm hardcore enlisted, dude. Hardcore. But I, I, I look at him. I was like, "Are you fucking?" Yeah, this serious? is where it gets good. <laughs> the best part about it is the back is the story. His back, how he comes back yeah, at it. Let, so, what'd yeah. you say to him, Justin? I was. I look up at him. I'm like, "You fucking <laughs> serious." <laughs> He looks down at me, and uh, Captain Schmansky comes over. You guys yeah, know oh, yeah, him, right? Yeah, Admiral yeah. Schmansky yeah. now. Puts his hand on his shoulder and goes, you might want to uh, excuse him. He just got new lungs. <laughs> Master Chief looks up at Schmansky like, oh, what the what? Am I, uh, you know, he, he didn't know me, and he didn't. he's like confused. Like, what do you mean new lungs, right? Like, can't do that shit. Exactly. That doesn't work. I bet it looked like, be like they get a new heart, but you can't get new lungs. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, oh, totally. See, look at my scars. Submarine <laughs> propeller. <laughs> All right, so oh, that's that's the worst part. Just now that you mentioned scar, I got so cheated out of that one when I when I knew I was going in for new lungs. I was like. I am going to have Epic. the biggest right? badass most. Epic. My scar is going to end all scar story no fights kidding. ever. Like so, there I was inside the shark's mouth. Right. Right yeah. now, right? <laughs> I got run over my aircraft carrier. You know, anything that's, that's, I mean, you could have been Frankenstein with that, with what totally. I thought, what he was going to come up yeah. with. Just we're a like, little, little oh, first thing when we saw him, we're like, "Hey, bro, I love you, man. Let me see the scar." Yeah, you know, not, not how you doing? Let's see that bad Let's boy. See the scar. Oh, that's awesome. No, looks like a bad boob job. <laughs> I got, 
I got one nipple that points out to the left, and I just got this nice little line <laughs> underneath. He, he has a high beam. You know what that's called? The high beam when a when a botch. Yeah. I was like, man, we need to send you back in, dude, and get some get some. <laughs> so, or let us do it. You know. Right, yeah. <laughs> hey, we Marcus, showing up get, the other day? Get, I was like, your, uh, uh, Chad. Chad, yeah. yeah. I was like, dude, we have a badass car there, man. <laughs> All right, all right. So you you're back at the team. You're 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 improving. You're getting healthy. When did the whole Mount McKinley thing come into play, and why? So I was looking for stuff to get healthy, right? And I did this Leukemia um, Lymphoma Society um, half marathon. My sister had done one first um, to raise money for Leukemia Lymphoma Society in my honor, and I figured, well, hey, that's cool. So my wife and I. Um, you know, God bless her. She got out there every freaking Saturday morning and trained with me. Um, we walked one together like uh, eight months after the surgery and just walked it as fast as we could. And, you know, caught somebody's attention who got me in touch with this other guy who said, hey, we got this group going up to uh, Mount McKinley in Alaska to go climb the mountain there. You know, it's all wounded veterans, you know. You want to come along? I'm like, well, I, you know, I just got brand new lungs. I really can't climb the mountain. He's like, well, you, know, you can come and be, you know, you know, be like moral support. You can help with, you know, all the logistics around the base of the mountain. You know, driving guys around, getting guys from the airport. Okay, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll, I'll do that. And like a month later, he's like, well, hey, you know, um, one guy dropped out. So good news for you. You can go up on the on the on the ascent crew. And I'm like, but that's not really what I. <laughs> here we go here we go yeah. here we go <laughs> yep. uh, okay and, it, and, it, and it, it, it was just it was that little voice in the back of the head again Marcus. oh yeah well, yep all right well i i can't punk out of this I mean, right? absolutely what's the worst i can have to die well, he's already right. been cl- yeah. so close to it so many times. I, 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 everything I kept thinking about, man, because of the new lungs and the new socks, ever since he got those, I was like, every time when he goes up in a scent, because that air is so crisp up oh. there, I bet it feels so good. And those, ask him, and those, how, how did it feel? Did it yeah. feel good? No, I, know it, I know it does. That's what I'm saying. I was like, man, I would. Like, it was, it was right awesome. Now. It was amazing. I mean, right. So you guys are medics. You, you'll understand what this means, right? So my. My blood oxygen saturation, when we were at about 12,000 feet, was under 70. Can you die? Yes, he can. At uh, that level? Uh, Are you kidding me? Uh, Did you? No, 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 I understand. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking you him do, personally. Yeah. <laughs> Good question. Can, can you die? It was, yeah. I mean, that kind Check. of deal. Check. I, I know what those numbers are. Yeah, I mean, I, I should have been, you know, passed out, like, what, like, at least 18 points behind that? At, at least. Like, down a base camp? When yeah. You, uh, you didn't do any, you didn't do any I, saturated or anything like that? You just, you just manned up and climbed up? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we climbed up slow. I mean, we took, no, no, took like, no, uh, no. Everyone else climbs up slow. What, what you were supposed to do because of the lung deal is just not climb at all, <laughs> right? It's just, just a medic. It's that medic coming out of it. But obviously, knew you were gonna, when you were saying they wanted you to drive the truck, and I was like, He's "He ain't like, gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> he won't do that at all." I was standing there, and I'm like, "Oh, look, somebody left a radio. I need to haul ass out there and hit." You know what I'm talking about? You know he would. Oh, or hit it home. Hey, well, and then he's looking at everybody when they're like bent over, going, and he's like, "Hey." Pussy, let's go. 
and you're like the perfect uh, example. Uh, dude. Yes, sir. Dude, the perfect visual at at, at um in buds. Isn't that you punching you in your face? In that Discovery Channel deal? Oh, so like, yeah, right. like I mean, trying to stay you awake. Know, yeah. You want to know oh, what the yeah. hell's going on here? I mean, he's falling out. And the guys, I've, I've hit myself a couple times just to, just guys, to wake up. When you're just, boom, boom. <laughs> you ever seen the hooks on that side? Oh, of they're meat. God, I mean, they're meat cleavers. Even <laughs> Andy Halfway, who, by the way, is another one of them just freaks, survivor. Yeah. After trying to kill him so many times, just won't die. You know? <laughs> yeah, them big old meat hooks, too, man. He just. Yep. Uh, uh, all right, Justin. So when you get to the top of McKinley, what what? Well, I didn't make it to the top. Right, well, we made it to about thirteen thousand feet. Um, I don't know, twelve five. I got to the top of this one hill that, you know, and I looked up the next hill. I'm like, well, I think I could probably make it across that whole stretch. The problem was you can't stop, and it was a heavy rock because it's a really really heavy prone rockfall right. area. And I'm like. I, I don't know that I can do that without stopping, and I can't, I sure as hell can't go fast enough. Bro, so you did, like, that's at thirteen. I, no, that's saturation, dude. You'd have died. There's no oxygen like, up there for you to breathe in. No, nothing. You died. <laughs> Not that low. No. Yeah. Yeah. That, coming back down from that mountain, I had a talk with uh, uh, Admiral Szymanski about it afterwards. I said that's the first time I felt like a real frog man in a long. Oh, time. that's awesome. That's awesome. So w- when you got down. And you started looking at, you know, the next phase of your life. And, and now, you, you know, it's back. You got your ma- mind back. Did, did things just start? It was smooth sailing from there? Or, or what, what's, what's been going on since now, then? No, I've had, so, you know how you know, my immune system was rejecting me with the bone marrow transplant. Now my body, which is still somebody else's immune system, is rejecting my lungs has done that six times and the weirdest thing is right so i get somebody else's bone marrow, right yep. now i have their dna floating around if you take if you pull their blood it's not my dna it's their their dna make it even funnier it was a woman donor so it's xx awesome it's not xy <laughs> so we ro- so here's what we're gonna rob right. a bank hey, leave my dude. my blood in the <laughs> awesome. uh, dude. and they're gonna be looking for some big hairy chick with a deep voice. <laughs> hey, we can do some stuff with this. <laughs> and hell, even if you if you left some lung tissue, if you got shot and left lung tissue, we'd still be okay. We'd really throw them off. They'd be like, "There's two of them." Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll just hack up some big loogies right? all over the place, and they're gonna be looking for somebody right. else. We'll be like, "All right, leg, cover the tracks." <laughs> right. Yeah, and so now I got, you know, so now I have three DNAs sitting in my body, mine, my lung donors, and my bone marrow donors, and like, for the most part, they're getting along pretty well. They're they're playing. Every now together. and again, they get a fight. But uh, every now and then, you know, everybody gets in a big fight. I get lung rejection. Um, that's happened about five or six times. <laughs> Somebody <clears throat> gets mad and wants to leave the body. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So it, when the lung rejection happens, do they do they stop working? Do they have to get back on a ventilator? Is it asthma? Yeah. And what's it? It's it's like I just I notice that you know um, I'll notice it when I'm going up and down stairs or when I'm working out. I notice that the uh, you know I'm not breathing as well or I'm getting more winded uh, more quickly. And you know basically it's it's courses of medicine. Um, for the most part, it can be handled with large doses of steroids. Um, there's one, it's one series of rejections over the summers, um, 
uh, in between my two years of grad school, uh, or over the summer in between my two years of grad school, I had to get uh, stuff that was... Uh, so, not only do I have three di different DNAs, and now I've had medicine made from mouse DNA, from rabbit DNA, and horse DNA. <laughs> So I, I am my own petting zoo and I have my own friends. <laughs> you never have to leave the house. You, know, you never have to go anywhere. <laughs> All right, Justin. So you've got a, you're got, you've got a, a, a master's now. Uh, I know you're, you're working for Booz Allen Hamilton, right? Um, but you're also doing some other, uh, some other amazing things in particular with one charity. Would you, would you tell us about the charity that you're working with? Oh, all right. Well, I'm work. I've been doing stuff with uh, with several charities. So I've done um, a few half marathons for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society uh, to raise a bunch of money for them. I've been working with uh, Combat Wounded Veterans Challenge. Um, those are the guys I climbed Denali with, and I've done a few other trips with them. Um, and, but just recently, I went up to Maine. Um, it's a camp up there called Camp Sunshine. It's for children with life threatening diseases. Um, they bring the kid and their whole family up. Mom, dad, sisters, brothers, everyone. I mean, I mean so, it's awesome up there. Well, listen to this. This is good. Oh, this is really cool. And so for the last three summers, there's been a group of SEALs been doing, you know, a big physical challenge every year. Like the first year, they swam a half marathon in the lake. Yeah. Swam 13 miles. Kids did? No, the oh, SEALs. Oh, like, <laughs> the <group> <laughs> <camp> <laughs> <is> this? <laughs> is this the Xavier school and no one's... No one's told me about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they call this uh, Camp Birkenau. Uh, but uh, no, the, so the guys have been doing these great races every year, and I've been going up to be the MC for the events. You know, but they know that you had the same type of leukemia that they've had, and it has just put them on cloud nine to know that you know you've done so much after that, and that you're here hanging out and playing with them. It's just the most awesome, awesome charity. So I'm starting to work out. Little by little, it's rough, but I'm gonna see what I can do to um to get into that race next year with the guys. So I got 11 months to prepare. And where start to eat? Healthy. Where, where, where what is that, straight. man? I'd like to go. I like to. You want to go to that? I'd like uh, to go I already there, told man. him I'm in. Yeah, that'd I'm be up, cool. I'm up for that. I'm not swimming on 13 miles. You can guarantee you, that. And you ain't running 13 miles either. No, I can't. <laughs> no, I, I can't do that. But everyone knows like I can't swim. <laughs> Know. You know what? I'll do it for them kids. Hey, yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, you will. Oh, yeah, well, that's what I was saying, man. Hey, uh, where where can people find uh, that website so they can donate to that 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 camp? It's uh, Camp Sunshine at Lake Sebago uh, in Sebago, Maine. That's cool. Oh. Well, I tell you what, that's a beautiful charity, man, and it's just so cool that that you're a part of it. And I and I, you know, I, I just it's what a great symbiotic relationship. And and like you said, when you know, I, I've been working with kids for you know, that's what Frog Logic was. It always you know the focus of it and and the rewards you get when you can influence a child, and and in particular a child that's really struggling, that really truly needs the never quit mindset. And you are able to implant that, Jess, and that—that that is literally a, just a true blessing in my mind, man. So God bless you for doing that. That's awesome. All right, the next, the last question I got for this segment, and and don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna bring uh, Justin into the after actions uh, here in a second, where 
He's going to teach you the how-to, how he goes about his day every day and the struggle he faces and what he does and that mindset, uh, that today's not the day mindset uh, in a second. So, the, But to, to finish up and to follow up, what, what's in store for you in the future, Justin? What's, what's the future look like for you? Because I know... You know, you you not only are you have you just won a, a great fight with the Navy and them your disability after a long time and and that getting you know saying hey we're gonna pay to help you with your lungs you won a long fight with the Navy to get your rank the way it should be a lieutenant commander you finally made that and and I'm sure you got another some fights ahead of you with your health wise what what in your mind in the future what does your future look like brother. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, at this point, I'm kind of, I don't even want to try to predict it anymore. Uh, I'm, I just kind yeah. of, uh, just live, do it, do the best I can. Um, take whatever it is. It's going to be a lot of challenges. Um, purposely. Now I know there's going to be challenges I don't want, but there's going to be a lot of them in there purposely. Um, I'm never going to shy away from challenges. I think the only thing that's keeping me alive right now is the fact that I continually challenge myself. Well, I bet it's just a double-edged sword, man, because you know you've been through it a long yeah. time. You know you, you do yeah, stuff right. that busts you up, and you you know it's going to happen. Yeah. But if you just if you lived a normal, it's kind of like after all the this back surgery, like hey, if you just live a normal, life, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> What's normal? I, you know that's all relative. Kind of like pain's all relative. <laughs> if you stop doing that, man, yeah. and fester down, you know. Frogman, we just kind of we just die. Yep. Don't really weather out. We just die. And we've seen it. Yeah. So you just keep just yeah, always got to like, keep charging forward, man. That's that's what it's all about. Who cares about dying? It's coming. Yeah. You know. I mean, and when it does, we won't. Who cares? It's over. It's over. It's over. You know. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, when I go, I go. I, I've done more in my 38 years than most people could ever hope to do in, in 10 lifetimes. Um, and so I'm thankful I've, I've gotten the opportunity to do that. I mean, I've been all over the world, you know, fought along some, alongside some of the greatest guys you'll ever meet, seen some of the coolest stuff in the world, been through every experience. You know, can say I've already, you know, bent death over the table and given it to him good. <laughs> you know, I've, uh, I, I guess, you know, when I sit back and, and look at it like that, I'm, I'm happy. And sometimes it, it's hard to realize that. Because, um, you know, there's always the, you know, missing the teams, missing the brotherhood, missing the physical capability I used to have, or missing just being able to go for a mile run without a die at the end of the run. Keeping that big picture, you know, right in the forefront like that sometimes is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. I've, I'll find a way to keep getting in, getting into more trouble. Um, yes, you will. Moving on to Man, something that, Hey, bigger. look, that's in our nature. We And I always looked at it, the things that, the hard hits that we took, it set us on that different path. So would you have ever climbed that mountain unless that, no, now there's a lot, how much stuff have you and I and all of us done together because of, of certain paths that we got put on and, and yeah, and it's, yeah, man, that one sure was horrible, but because of the horrible part, just, just pushing through it, I have been opened up to all of this and that's kind of how you got to look at it. I mean, and your greatness, yeah. man, that's a test. You're being tested. So maybe every day you, you never know, brother, there might be one of the moments you stand around. You're like, got it. Or, you know, there's a little kid there. You saved his life. Pull him out of the street. Who knows what it is, man. The amount of suffering you, that you had to go through for all those good times. And are you at home? 
Yeah. I see the missus walk by. Tell yeah. her I said, I thought I saw her. I was like, hey, I, I, I forgot we were doing yeah, an interview. Right. I, I, I started just kind of, we started talking, man. I, I don't know why I was like a phone call. Because cool. I was like, oh, hey, tell her I said, I was like, Wait a this is, we're, we're doing an interview here. You're not just hanging out with your buddy. I'm like, hey, tell her I said that. Well, well, Justin, man, we, you know, again, brother, you know how much we love you, how proud we are of you. How inspired! I've told you over and over and over again, man. You, you, you're. When I think about everything, man, I just think about you, and it, it keeps keeps me in a fight, makes me push myself harder. So, I, I know all of our listeners are hearing that, and they're they're privileged to to hear your story. And if they want, they can go follow you on Facebook and and some other places. And and man, I'm just really looking forward to, uh, you know, having you come in the after action. So, thanks for coming on the show, brother. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. Bye, brother. Thanks, yeah. Marcus. Man, great, hey, job. great talking with both of you guys. Dude, I thought, man, dude, when I, when I look back at my jaw, I, my jaw, my mouth was open. You and I were both sitting here with our mouths agape when he talked about this couple with, of times there, when man. He, when I was like, I probably would have quit, man. I mean, he could have. I would have. Uh, no, I mean, like, man, I that's don't know. What I'm, what... I mean, that pain, the pain of his lungs scratching up and down against his, his, his skull. I know what that looks like. You know how we've seen the inside I've of seen it, man. that man. before. Good Lord. And I was thinking about this, man. I was in the White House uh, getting the Navy cross pinned on me. Right. He's in the hospital uh, doing that bone marrow deal. Yeah, his entire I, new bone marrow trade. Right. Yep. That was one. That, that was when it happened. That's yeah. when it happened, right? Yeah. So I remember walking, Admiral McGuire was there and, uh, um, the rest of our te- a lot of our teammates were there, and Aaron was like, "Hey, we gotta go to the hospital. Legs are there." And I was like, "Hell yeah, man! I'd have rather been there." Totally, totally. Don't, don't, don't take nothing. No, against, no, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I got was like, you. Haul ass, man. And uh, and that sucker, god dang man, he just well, it's just that, tough, man. Well, I, think, what that, about the that, story? What's that grit down in there? With that, what is that, now, man? That's just kind of now that you're reminds talking. me of one of them. A lot of people have that flame burning inside of you. Well, what, Fire where, in the gut. Where does this? Where's that flame build from? And right. then you got, stuff, I guess, one of them deep, deep volcanoes where it's just on fire. <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's not a fire burning; it's just on fire. It's a fire that's. Yeah. Well, what I hear from him is that now it's so, like it's so part of his life. I mean, you t- that story Has about walking the mile to get new lungs, <laughs> and then the six. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Well, you know what I'm thinking about is uh, uh, Master Chief Brashear when he had to walk, walk <laughs> with that with leg, leg and with, with, the with, leg. The new t- with the uh, with the suit on. Yeah, like, all right, yeah, you know, t- test him. And, and and every time he would say something like that, I would think about when that nurse is like, "Have you ever met a Navy SEAL before? Watch this. Watch I, this. I hope that they she's seen that or that, that doc yeah. has seen that. Oh, that's changed everybody. Right? Everybody that's come in contact with this man, Marcus, is changed. Well, I hope it changes those doctors too. And and to when you're talking to those patients, going, uh, uh you know what, man maybe we need to rewrite the baseline of how hard we push these dudes, right? Elevate it a little bit. Because you got to look at I mean, we're normal. I, I'm so damn ordinary, it's not even funny. Yeah, I'm just yeah. trained up like that. And because of that is because of my instructors in my head telling me that I was that way. Exactly. I mean, hospitals are going for body healing. You don't, yeah. well, you're like, hey, your leg's broke. Yeah, your mind's broke too. You ain't not supposed to say that part, no, right? Right. No. Not positive. You gotta hold back on that, right? If you walk in there, same way with my brother. I remember he would say he's like, Man, I go in the hospitals, they tell me that I had a problem. I sure didn't feel like one, so I stopped going. That's what you can't tell him. <laughs> and some of them just just so damn mean looking. Anyways, you're like, sir, you kinda never mind. <laughs> what I love is 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 his attitude, right? 
I mean, the guy is like, you're, you know, he's been, he's walked, he's had so many conversations with death. Yeah. Been it's, hanging out so many times. Yeah, like he shakes said. It's kind of like, like, is that it? Or that, is that, is that? Well, he knows it's not it. No, no, that's what I'm saying. But every time the next one comes up, he's like, is that all you got? Totally. Yeah. Totally. You, you you, yeah. What else am I going to do? What else am yeah. I going to do? And that's what is so inspiring. So I, I hope as a listener, you heard those things because in my mind, Justin Legg is one of the most incredible human beings that that I've ever heard before. I mean, this guy. Doesn't matter is, what life is, live it. You gotta right, live if it. You live in. I mean, and that's it. That's what he's doing, man. He goes. It doesn't matter what it throws at me. I'm gonna live it. That's it. Even if other people think it's hell, and and I do, and people tell me it's hell, we're living this one to the to till til she bucks. You know. I, well, I love it, man. Well, listen, I you know I, I hope you understand that. Well, before we sign off here, I want to share one more story that was sent in to us. And this one's a doozy, and it's perfectly to go with this this episode of of the Team Never Quit podcast. And please, if you're out there, you know, share share our website with people, share them with the people that you think need help, share them with the people that don't, just need to be inspired or want to help other people, because that's what our mission here is to to ignite the legends inside you and to those people and to teach them the never quit mindset. So please go to our website at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Check out the shows and share it with your friend. If you don't want to do that, go to their iPhone or their or their smartphone, pick it up, find their iTunes app, subscribe it to her on their phone, download it for them, right? Subscribe it and have them on, on demand so they can listen to these amazing stories anytime they want. All right. We always ask that if a reader is inspired to send in their greatest never quit story. Well, we got one that was sent in to us, Marcus, that's phenomenal. So I'm going to read it now. Each year around Christmas, I post a simple message to thousands of folks I've never met, telling them essentially, I am still alive. My oncology doctors told me years ago that I'm the only six times cancer survivor in the world. Within days, a tremendous chorus came back, 175 voices, 500. Many asked, how did you survive? They sometimes begin, tears are flowing. A few answer back in kind, right there with you. Now, eight years, and I'm still on this earth. Surviving cancer once, twice, maybe three times may be rare, but six times is simply unheard of. What is, in, what is in a human being to survive is beyond explainable. We have all heard about survival instinct, but until you're put into a survival situation, you have no idea what you're really capable of. I am truly a remarkable fighter who has been beaten cancer six times, also suffering from lupus and Alzheimer's. I have defied all and any and all expectations reach my 53rd birthday. I am still fighting despite my during multiple cancer operations, including six, two major surger, surgeries, and thought one that I wouldn't even survive. I have every wicked surgery scar to remind me of my six multiple battles with deadly cancers. Being a feisty father and a grandfather from McDonough, Georgia, I've fought through so many medical issues, it's mind-boggling. My health and issues began when I was diagnosed with acute cancerous appendix at the ripe age of 17. I required emergency surgery before an organ would have ruptured, causing fatal infection of my body. Appendix cancer tears tends to be rare, affecting estimated 6 in 1,000 Americans every year. Unfortunately, appendix cancer often remains undiagnosed, like mine, until my emergency surgery. Appendix cancer mysteriously has no known cause, and at the time I had no idea what, how much I would tangle with, with cancer. He goes on to share all of his diagnosis and, and how he battled back from stage four cancer here and there. 
And when he finally, the doctors couldn't predict what would happen and all these different things and, and, and all his cancers, he simply told them, I'm a fighter. Somehow I've managed to fend off the infection and slowly recovered and pulled through because of my fighting spirit, belief in God, and the skill of the surgeons who performed all the procedures to remove the deadly cancer from my body. I now fight a myriad of other daily health issues, including Alzheimer's, diabetes, lupus, heart disease, peripheral neuropathy, and needing both needs surgically replaced. I now live with my wife in a small basement as the camper we were living burned down recently. We're barely hanging on these days to survive. I've had it tough with the cancer and other ailments, I guess. I cannot really do much these days. I consider, I consider myself cancer-free frequent flyer, being operated on now with six bouts of different times. How many people can say that? I try not to let my physical and mental conditions ruin my life, but it takes everything that's within me to get through another painful day. If you want to help a friend diagnosed with cancer, just be there. Friends can't make the fact that you have cancer go away. They can't make it all better. They can, however, help you feel safer. When you're scared, it's important to know that someone else is there. That's heavy, man. Then you know, that that's a perfect candidate for like the RoboCop. Uh, um, <laughs> the RoboCop award. No, no, like the Robo uh, like that whole uh if that was possible cuz you know the brain is well unstoppable. I mean that that guy had been through that's the hits that guy keeps going and going and going and his mind won't break. You need to heart. Uh, look, man, you need to, when, there's something to that one, right? Dude, where is the fight coming from in this man? Where is the fight that gets him Right, because you got to, I mean, day? everyone's like, oh, it's heart or it's my muscles. When everything gets hit from all different, everything he, from Sex I was listening, cancer. right, and I was listening to the, what he was throwing down. That basically his entire body has been attacked by something. So it's that, 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 that mind, that never quit mentality. Came from somewhere. He it, didn't say what that was, but it's it's uh, inside yeah. him, right? I mean, it's in his soul, and it's in his faith. What else? It's you gonna, in his wife. Yeah, it's in those around him. It's in his doctor. I, I mean, as you're writing that, st- I hope as he was writing. Hey, brother, if you're listening while you're writing that letter, writing all that stuff down, you should have been like, God, man, I could shit. I can take. Oh man, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I, I do. mean, those are some. That's some heavyweight championship stuff right there. It, it's <laughs> remarkable. So you know, Andy. Thanks so much for sending that in. It was a true inspiration. We love you, brother. Stay in the fight. Don't quit. Well, that's all I got for this episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. And and, and like everyone, I just want to make sure that I give thanks where thanks is due. So I'd love to thank God and Christ for being the inspiration in my heart to do what I do for a living. I'd love to thank Justin and, and, and Terry Fox and Andrew for the fight that you've put up. I also want to thank all those fighting right now and and, and to be inspirations to other people. I want to thank my family, my friends, my teammates in particular, you, Marcus, and your family for allowing me to, to help other people. I want to thank my wife, the Admiral, my two beautiful little girls, because without all y'all, my purpose would be incomplete. That's all I got. I want to thank the good old U.S. of A, man, for, for uh, providing the entire lineage and lifeline of everybody who was in line to get it. For, for us to go into the Navy SEALs. Hey, thank you, Mr. Ken- President Kennedy. Yeah, I thank, mean, thank you, Mr. Kennedy. I mean, thank you very much because I, you gave me an opportunity to hang out with that gentleman that we Justin just Justin Leg. I mean, come on. Even if, dang it, man. One of the most remarkable humans. And that's why I always say it was just a pleasure to be in that fraternity. I mean, I had to earn it every day. It was a damn struggle and I, just because of that. 
on the chance you're going to run into a dude like that in the in your lifetime or slim to nail. We, they hang out everywhere we are in the team. And I mean, the, the American public just got a glimpse of why we go through the t- nightmare of what that job is. It's just so hopefully you can be standing next to that dude when he's dropped some of that knowledge and motivation on you. And he just did. Right? God dang. Thank you, America. God bless you. We love you. We're out.